You know, I, I, I just have to say at the outset that Dan and I did not talk this week at all until Thursday when he asked me, hey, are you preaching? And he said, what are you going to be speaking on? So we get used to this, but the point that I want to make is the worship songs tied directly to the message. To me, that, 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 is, that is just a powerful thing that how does I mean I'm just I know sometimes I ramble on but I'm just undone by seeing how God does things like that to inspire awe and wonder in us the way he chooses to show up and to reveal himself and make himself manifest in our body so this morning The sermon title is, I Hear the Sound of Rattling Bones. And more than just a cute title, I believe the Lord wants this to be a spiritual declaration that we carry forth long after the message today is is spoken. That no matter what comes, no matter, no matter what setback. You know, I, I kind of feel a little intimidated because a great portion of the message was, was already expressed in the worship. But yet, this is what God has put in my heart, and so that is what I'm going to put forth to us today. I hear the sound of dry bones rattling. And in this text that was, that was read, that spiritual declaration being that there is no situation that is too impossible for God to work in and that it's never too late, even when it seems like all hope is lost. It's never too late. There's never been a place in the scripture where God says, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? I'm way in over my head. We, however, put ourselves in that place, but that's not him. There was so much truth that was put on display in in the worship song that we sang this morning about faithful God. I want to challenge us to to just ponder that after this message is over, after this service is over. Faithful God, you hold my life secure. Some of my days are yours. All, that's right. So in today's message, uh, God's going to be kind of bragging on himself a little bit here. Well, actually a lot because it's all about him. So, in, in looking at these verses here, I just want to d- direct our attention to, to uh, some verses to, for us to ponder, to consider. And so, in verse 1, it says, The hand of the Lord was upon Ezekiel. And that's a good thing. And where does he lead him? Does he lead him to a mountaintop? Is it going to be a wonderful thing? He wants him to see something glorious? 
No, where does he take them? He takes them to a valley. Now, most of us know that valleys are a low spot. Valleys can be a dark place. Valleys can be fearful and intimidating. And so he takes them to a valley. He walks them around. And in in the, the first opening verses, he sees many bones. He repeats it. He even says, behold, there are a lot of bones. The fact that he uses behold in a relatively short period of time in those two sentences right away. Behold, behold. What does he want to see? There are a lot of bones. There are many bones. And then he makes it a point to say that they were very dry. But I want to be quick to to also mention that when we look down further at like verse 11, where it said, these bones, he's talking about God's people. And he says that they, their bones are dried up, our hope is lost, and we are indeed cut off. And we're not talking about skeletons that are somehow connected. He, he just says bones, they're all discombobulated, they're everywhere. But God doesn't give up on his people. We saw that even when they were alive. Continually when they messed up, God went after them and drew them back. Now, now it's at the place where they're bones. It's like, it's too late. It's, it's water under the bridge. Stick a fork in them, they're done. And what does God do? He initiates a conversation with Ezekiel by asking him a question. I love when God speaks to us, when he initiates a conversation, when he puts a thought in us, because he wants to draw us to himself. He knows exactly where he wants to take that conversation, and he knows exactly what he wants to bring out of that conversation, not the least of which is he wants to address something. He wants to get at the heart of something. He wants to get at the root of something. And I love that. God just doesn't have a conversation to have a conversation. And he does because he loves us. But God has a greater picture in store and the fact that he, he delights in us and, he, and he, he cares about us greatly. And so he engages and initiates a conversation with with Ezekiel and asks him the question, son of man, can these bones live? And I thought, you know, Ezekiel being a prophet and having like a a relationship with God, that he would kind of have a a, a more profound answer than, I don't know. But but that's okay. He's honest. 
I don't know. And what does he do? He puts it back on God. But that's not where it stops. And I'm so grateful that that's not where it stops. I just wanted to say very quickly, you know that, that sometimes from our viewpoint, it looks like things are too late. It's, it's too far gone. And in the story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, I think sometimes we can get familiar with that story, but in looking at that story, God intentionally waited. Their expectation was, God's going to get here just in the nick of time. Hey, Lazarus is going to be healed, and praise God, another miracle. That was their way of thinking. But what does God do? God has a different timetable here. But even when it looks like it's too late, it's not too late for God. And the thing I so appreciate about that story, if you will, is that they, they express their raw emotion to God. They're honest with Him. They pour their heart out to Him. But God does not leave them in that, that heap of raw emotion. But God engages in a conversation with them. And he could have said, you know, he could have agreed with him and said, said you know, he died. He's in a better place now. And, and, and cheer up. And that would have been true. But God puts, you know, he engages them and, uh, and, and says in the conversation, do you believe that he'll live again? And Mary, of course, she says, well, yeah, on the last day when you raise him up. So what does God do? God enters into their, into their situation. And he says, I'm going to expand your thinking here. I'm going to take you from where you are now in this, in this heap of sadness and sorrow. And I'm going to take you beyond that to this next step. And I'm so grateful that God does, does, does not leave us in a heap. And we know that they were looking for him and that he didn't come. But then he did come. And God meets with them. And God does a miraculous thing. Proverbs 13, 12. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. So that, that word deferred there means to drag along. It's not just something, something that just is sprinting along. It's something that is drug out. That doesn't happen. Not right away. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And this morning, I, I wrestled with how do, how do you want to unfold this, Lord? And this morning, how do you want to unfold the message? That's how I put it out to him because I went this way, this way, and this way. And so this morning, the Lord wants to initiate a conversation with us beginning with the question, what are our dry bones? What 
Is, is there an area in your life that needs God's touch? Is there a disappointment that just, that you seem to be under it? Is there a giant that you're encountering? Is there, is there a prophetic word that hasn't come to pass? Maybe it feels like life has kind of passed us by and, and well, I didn't expect things to go the way that they did. But I believe for every one of us that there, there is no one of us that is exempt from having dry bones, a situation in our life that needs God's touch. And one of the things that the Lord made very clear to me is that at the end of this message, he wanted to extend an invitation. And he was, he was very specific about this. If, in terms of the invitation, the invitation was draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And he showed me this picture. So I don't know how many people would come forward. But I do know this. That in that picture, God went up to the individual. And as their head was bowed, God took his, his arm in his hand, placed it on the back of their neck, and then he stood over them and bowed his head over theirs and drew that person to himself. And I don't know what was, in terms of what God was going to do, uh, but I know there was going to be a, a transaction that was going to take place. A transaction of, of I believe, a, a word, maybe a picture, maybe a release, but I know that it, was, it is going to be a very powerful moment. And I will also tell you that in that, in that invitation, that God said, I want you to pray over those people, if they do, and, if, and uh, even not just the people that come forward, but if you stay in your seat, God still want, wanted me to pray and to prophesy. So I thought, okay, I can, I'll do that. But the good news, the thing is that when Ezekiel followed God's leading, God told Ezekiel exactly what he wanted him to prophesy. And so God has, has given me some things what he wanted to speak over this body. Because I believe this, this word about I hear the dry bones rattling is not just a word for us individually in our situations that we want to see breakthrough, but also for us corporately. And this is just another good time to say I hear the dry bones rattling. And why do I say that? Because our hope is not lost. Our hope is Christ. And that hope, Christ is in you. The hope of glory. A confident expectation. A destiny. And if you would read Deuteronomy chapter 8, you would see that God's desire is for us to live, to go in, to multiply, and to possess the land. 
Now that's hope. A living hope. So at the end of this message, that invitation will be extended. So I, I want us to consider for a moment. You know, and at the end, God says, I want, you, I want them to know that when I turn their graves, when they come out, that I did this. I'm the one. And you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. So I I, I want for a moment for us to consider Abraham. Now I know Abraham's kind of been on the docket here the last couple of messages, it seems like. But I I want us to think for a moment. You know, we think about Abraham. And I I want you to, to think about that God makes a promise to Abraham and Sarah. And what is their response to this promise? They laugh. They laugh. Would that, been, would that have been our first response? So let me, um, let me put this out there to you to kind of maybe put a face to this. What if this, uh, what if Abraham, what if this were Warren and Anita and God made a promise and don't, I already asked for permission so don't worry, it's not like I just did my own thing here. But God promised them the blessing of a son that through whom all the nations would be blessed and that his descendants would be like the sand on the seashore, like the stars in the sky. Now, no offense. When we look at Warren and Anita, wait, wow. I won't say you're ancient, brother. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to say that you're older than dirt. But they've, they've, they've lived beyond... I love you, brother. We'll make up after, before communion, I promise. <laughs> but Abraham, he, he looks at his, his, his body. Sarah looks at her frame. And this can't be. Oh, my gosh. Who are you trying to kid? That sounds like, man, uh, that sounds like raw unbelief to me. It just wasn't there. And, you know, I would have thought, you know, if, if I were God, and I'm not, I would have chosen a couple in their prime. I would have made the promise, and wow, it's going to go smooth. And this, No, it, it's almost like in the scriptures, not just with Abraham and Sarah, it's almost like God chooses to make a point of doing the impossible and making it possible. That's why... He is and always will be the great way maker. Yeah. Amen. That should encourage us and inspire us and challenge us and motivate us.
So Abraham has these questions about how is this going to happen? And he just doesn't ask one time. Every time God says what he's going to do and promises what he's going to do and says, I am who I am, I meant what I said and I said what I meant, Abraham throws up a question. But what does God do? God doubles down. God repeats. He reiterates what he said. He doesn't budge. So what do we learn from that? We're going to take our cue, our lead, so to speak, from God. So that if God made a promise to you, and what I like about Abraham is he pitched his tent. Wherever he went, he pitched his tent. So what are we going to do? We are going to pitch our tent on what God has promised us. When God puts it into writing, it's not just something cutesy to hang on a refrigerator door. He's bound himself to his word. And God is not offended that we remind him of his word. I think he expects us to remind him of his word. Because what are we doing then? We're putting our trust in him. We're putting our words into actions. And we're saying, God, we're laying it all out here. And guess what? After the promise does come, imagine that. It does come. Isaac is born. Then what, is, what happens? I'll say, okay, Abraham, I'll take Isaac. Put your all on the altar. Put this, what I promised you, I gave it to you. Now put it on the altar and kill him. What? Just think about what would be going on in our head. And, and Abraham says, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it. And he's at the point of having the knife drawn and going to going to do it. I can't fathom that. I'm sorry. I wish I could be spiritual and say, hey, no, not a problem. No, he's got, the, he's got the blade in his hand. He's going to do it. And God says, stop. And he provides another sacrifice. So I want to say to us this morning, in terms of the disappointments and uh, maybe the areas where things haven't turned out yet the way that we want them to, God already did an impossible thing in our life by bringing us from death to life, from taking us out of the kingdom of darkness and into his marvelous life, out of the kingdom of Satan and into his kingdom and seated us at his table. That was already an impossible thing that God made possible and he, boy, did he do it well and royal and, and mighty. Yeah, he already did an impossible thing. And that was just the beginning. That was D-Day. And now, with these disappointments, now, with this having landed on the beach of our lives and being born again and being filled with the Spirit, now, now God, in the lead, wants to move inland. It wasn't going to be good enough. If the, what would happen if the troops and D-Day at Normandy just decided to stay on the beach? There's more. There's more. God wants us to live into. How many times? If I had a nickel for every time I heard, God wants us to live into. He does. He does. 
And he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He wants to move inland. And he wants to bring life to every area. So think outside the box. Maybe there's an area where you haven't seen a breakthrough yet. But I tell you this, God is the glory and he is the lifter of our heads. He is not content to, to leave us in a heap or just leave us in a situation and we, neither should we. If this is the God of our salvation who did that, if this is the God of all encouragement, if this is the God who is the glory and the lifter of our head, you know what he's able to do? To turn our mourning to dancing, to put up our sackcloth, to fill our mouth with good things so that our youth is renewed like that of the eagle, to redeem our life from the... I could go on and on. But as I got this message, I couldn't keep up. And my, my writing looked more like scribbling, and I thought, you know what? No need to worry. If this fell into enemy hands, nobody could decipher what I was writing. And so we follow God's lead. We pitch our tent in what he's promised. Secondly, with that tent, God, let God expand that tent, the tent of our mind, the tent of your thinking. By way of the Holy Spirit, by way of promises, when he engages the conversation, he wants to broaden the tent of our understanding. We hear... We're, we're familiar with this passage. It's been quoted. But I want to challenge us that when we... I'm going to say this verse because it's, it's, it's a familiar one, but it is a powerful verse. And, and just to ponder the words of it in Ephesians 3.20 where he says, Now unto him who is able to do far more, far, look at that, far more abundantly. You talk about a mouthful, it would have been enough if he said abundantly. But he says far more than abundantly. Well, what does abundantly look like? Now think about far more than abundantly. Then all that we ask or think according to the power at work with, within us. And so I, I am putting this out to God. I'm putting this out to us. God, expand the tent of our mind. Expand our thinking on the matter where we want to see breakthrough. To think big. To think real big. And I, it doesn't matter what the situation is. We, Dan shared earlier what he did. We take it, we're going to put it right before the Lord. We're going to give it to the Lord. That's what we're going to do. If you didn't do it earlier, you're going to have a second chance. God is the God of second chances. So one other thing to, con to consider here, and then uh, this makes a great segue into the next, the next point. And that is, there was a man... In the Old Testament, one of David's mighty men, and uh, 
He fought with a sword in his hand. He took a stand and he defended. He defended what, was, what he believed was worth fighting for. And uh, at the end of the day, he stood his ground. He was victorious. And that sword, it, it said they had to pry it out. When you look at that word, it said that the, it was, the word used is cleave. Now, just where have we heard the word cleave before? Well, you know where it has been. It's been in when a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave. He was made one with that sword. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, let God cleave your hand to his promise. We couldn't do it on our own. He gave us the faith to be able to believe what he promised for. So, with that promise, with his hand, clove, melted, however you want to say it, united with that. That is a thing that God does. But it's a thing that we, we join in and say, God, I'm taking you at your word. And let the power of that promise prosper inside your heart and in the situation. So just some some scriptures that kind of speak to that. Psalm 138, verse 8. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Isaiah 49, 15 through 16. This has to do with, uh, with a woman a mother and a, and a nursing child that she's holding. And uh, the question the Lord puts out is, can, can that mother forget her child? He said, and he, said, he goes on to say, she may forget, but I won't forget. But he doesn't stop there. What does he say? He says, you, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Continually, continually before me. That is a powerful state. Not, not something, not, not like I do where I write on my hand and I can wash it off. No, we're talking about engraved, carved in your hand, carved in his hand. That's a pretty big hand because consider the magnitude of that promise. Nevertheless, carved in the palm of his hand. Psalm 16, verse 5. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. Not just a little acreage. 
the entire kit and caboodle, the whole lot. This is the God who has ordained all of our days. So, a couple months ago, um, there was a prophetic word that was given by Connie. And I just want to share it again this morning because it's just as relevant now as it was then. And one of the things that I, I am convinced of that I firmly believe, there are some prophecies that are given and they come to pass. There are other prophetic words that are given that are meant that we take them and they accompany us, they journey with us through our life here on this side of glory. And Paul, when he wrote to Timothy, he said, by these prophecies, you are able to fight a good warfare. A good warfare. That means to be able to prevail. So, this word... There is a man in the Old Testament, one of David's mighty men. And the Philistines would come down at harvest time every year and chase the men away from the fields from the harvest. And once they came down every year, and once they came down every year, uh, one year they came down and this man, uh, one year they came down this year Something came over this man. He turned around and said, not this year. Not this year. I'm standing, I'm standing in the middle of this field and I am not backing down. And he stood alone as he fought and he fought and he fought. And when the battle was over, all the Philistines had fled or were dead. The Israelites came and they couldn't even pry his sword from his hand. It was so melted to his sword. They could. And so, it's time. It's time to fight again. It's time to hope again. We need to take up our swords, church, and we need to fight. We need to cut off the cloaks of despondency. We need to cut off the cloaks of depression, the despair. We need to cut off the cloaks of disappointment. It's time to hope again, church. We need to take up courage once more. It's time to rise up in courage and fight our battles, fight for our families, fight for our health, fight, fight for this region, fight for Jefferson County and fight for this nation. Rise up, church, take up the courage of the Lord and stand. And so... That prophetic word, I believe, is something that God wants us to implement, that he wants us to, to take action and act on. And cutting off those different cloaks that would, um, I believe, not just those cloaks, I don't believe just uh, some kind of fancy fashion wear but I felt as I, as I read through that, I felt like that cloak was something that the enemy had taken and draw, put it over our heads to cloud our, to cloud our vision. 
to skew it. And so I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, reconcile, if you will, that prophetic word with the, our text, but as another, as another key, as another source of, of prevailing and going forward in our dry bones rattling. So, at this point in time, I want to uh, invite any of you, or, and even if uh, you're not here and you're out there on uh, internet land, or uh, YouTube land, however you want to say it, um, if there is an area in your life that you haven't seen a breakthrough yet, or maybe you feel like uh, your way's been passed over. Then I, I want to pray with you. I want to pray for those people if, if you're here and uh, you want to respond to that invitation where God said, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. I want to invite you to come forward right now. If you, I, I will leave the choice with you. And um, I can tell you that there are situations in, my, in, in this body that God has put on my heart and I believe in fighting valiantly and I will strike the ground. I will strike the ground with the arrows of deliverance until the breakthrough comes. And if you're, if you're out there in, in, in the internet land, then this is your moment now to, to raise your hands and to... Uh, Expect God to speak to your heart, to do what he said in that picture, that right now, that right now, he's drawing, he's standing before each one of you. He said, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And putting his hand around you on the back of, back of your neck, drawing you to himself and I believe the first thing that he wants to do is he wants to love you. He wants to love on you. Father God, we are in your presence. Awesome God. Loving Father. The God of our salvation. The glory and the lifter of our heads. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Love, pour out your Holy Spirit and love on each one of these that have come forward. Draw them to yourself. You're the one. You're not a God who is afar off. You know where they're at. You know what they're feeling. You're the one who gathers the tears in a bottle. You're the one who counts their tossings and turning. You're the one who sticks closer to it than, than a brother.
And Father, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would speak into their life. I remind you, Lord, of what you, you've promised them already and that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is no shadow of turning with you and that there is no situation that is too difficult, too impossible for you. And Father, you see their hearts. You know what each valley looks like. You know what each thing these people are bringing forward. And Father, right now, we lay these things before you and I pray that you speak into their life. You initiate that conversation because you are Christ in them, the hope of glory. And Lord, <clears throat> I'm asking you right now in the name of Jesus to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all, far abundantly above all that they can ask, think, or imagine. And so into each one of these situations, I, I prophesy live. I prophesy life. I say live in Jesus' name. Dry bones come to life in Jesus' name. Chains be broken in Jesus' name. Live in Jesus' name. Be the glory and the lifter of each one of their heads. Uphold them by your spirit. You're the God of the breakthrough. Faithful God, you hold their lives secure. All their days are yours. Father, in Jesus' name, I speak life. I speak healing. I speak fresh vision. And I speak hope, hope into every one of these people, Lord, that are here and out there watching. Turn their mourning to dancing. Give them beauty for ashes. And there may, be, <clears throat> there may be somebody out here in the congregation that has a word as well for these people or a word for our body. So I don't want to limit what God wants to do. But if you do have a word, then I would invite you that now would be the time to, to share that with either an individual or if it's for the body, for the body. Lord, we trust you.
We trust you. We pitch our tent on your character, on your great love, on your faithfulness. You hold our lot. And Father, I pray that what that you are you are the God of the valley and you're the God of the mountain. Bring them through the valley, Lord, to the other side. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen.